Hi everyone, today I'm your host Sean from Evolution Recruitment and today we have two thought leaders from the blockchain industry to share with us a melting pot of ideas to you guys. And introduction please, probably Cesar. Hi everyone, I'm Cesare. Um, so I've been in blockchain since uh, pretty much the very beginning. I did my first trades on Mt. Gox for those who remember. And uh, now I am the CTO at, at Mintable, so we do NFTs. Wonderful. Um, my name is uh, Lukas Orlovsky, or Lukas Orlowski, as Americans tend to call me. Um, I've been a blockchain user since um, 2017. Um, I've been in the space professionally for a little bit over two years. Um, yeah, just making magic happen. Currently, I work with Firechain, where we are uh, combining sustainability with blockchain and building a substrate-based um, solo chain out there. Amazing. Right. So today for our podcast, we'll be talking about Web3 Securities and I'm delightful to have two CTOs that can share their technical insights with us today to this topic, right? So first off, we just want to talk about what is Web3 Securities and how does that differ from the traditional Web security, so to speak? Lucas? Sure. Well, I mean, you kind of start off with a, with a very um, broad question, which is what is Web3, right? And there's a number of um, angles you could try to approach it from. To me, it's basically shifting the ownership model, whereby in Web 2, you have a service provider, you know, an organization of whatever sort that, you know, grants a service, owning your data and everything, infrastructure, yada, yada, yada. Whilst in Web 3, and, and your assets most importantly, right? Whilst in Web 3, you shift the ownership to the user. And as you can imagine, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So basically, you know, like you got to make sure that, you know, you store your seed phrase in a secure manner, right? Now, this is essentially where the security revolves about, right? So it is not only at the infrastructure level, but it also is at the level of you securely storing your keys etc right it's basically the sort of like you know you're um practicing good security hygiene right um so yeah that's a that's a very broad topic right right and sorry what are your thoughts is yeah it... I, I completely agree especially on the fact of, of ownership and uh, being in control is is not that easy most people don't get it i was talking to a friend actually a couple of days ago and uh, his dad happened to invest twenty thousand dollars in one of the meme coins which became half a million and he lost his key Oh, Lord. And his reaction was, I'm going to sue them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that doesn't work. We, we are, our mind is, is set in such a way that there is always someone who can help. In this case, there is no one who can help. You are in charge. If you lose control, you lose control. So, and I would add a, a, a second, a second topic. There is also uh, in Web3 security, um, Web3 is young, it's a young technology, and uh, there are plenty of ways to exploit it. So, while the infrastructure we could assume is secure, otherwise it would have been exploited by, by now, uh, but there are plenty of opportunities for bad actors to yeah. circumvent uh, everything. So, on that note, right, exploiting, what are probably the main security risks that are being associated within the Web3 space? Well, I I think the main security risk is always people. 
no matter what. I just give you an example. This, it happened a, a while ago, but uh, some people had the, their wallets drained of uh, USDT or uh, yes, so if, uh, the Ethereum wallet emptied from some uh, ERC20 tokens, uh, uh, which usually represent uh, currency. And uh, that came from uh, a utility function in the smart contract, in the ERC20 smart contract, which would allow uh, marketplaces and exchanges to operate on your behalf. But the fact of not understanding what are the implications of signing a message that you don't understand led to all this. And even people who were uh, experts got scammed in this way. So uh, basically everything that you do on the blockchain carries risk and you need to understand before you do. Right. It's a, I mean, totally agree. Given that, you know, blockchain is a, such a nascent technology, people who still try to exploit, I mean, in any other industry, this will still happen. But just that because this is still very nascent, there will be more of these uh, bad actors trying to exploit, right? So then how can we actually use blockchain technology to enhance the Web3 security in this aspect then? What are your thoughts? Hmm. How we can use blockchain to enhance security? Trying to kind of like think about the angle I get the port that from. See, the whole thing is that, as Cesare said, you know, there is nobody to blame. Okay, so you need to know what you're doing. And this is a very loaded statement. You need to know what you're doing. Do you use Ethereum itself? Um, not on the chain, but probably through the web. Fair enough. I mean, Cesare. I, I'm not gonna ask the question because I'll just do it. And as I said, signing transactions, you know, like allowing a service to operate within a certain amount. I mean, do you really read through the message and whatnot and then analyze that? At some point, it becomes a real pain in the neck to do that, right? Um, so what I, I mean, essentially what I do, I have a system, which I'm not going to discuss here because, you know, I'm practicing security about security service now. <laughs> But that boils down to using multiple different cold wallets um, from different vendors, right? Um, and essentially, um, whenever the ones that I used to operate, right, um, every so often, I revisit the, 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 you know, the smart contract that I've authorized under and I routinely um, disable that, right? And just to check, you know, whether whenever first I'm using, you know, like say exchanges like one inch or Uniswap, right? Like when it comes to that and like I need to again authorize something, I'm okay to do that again just to see whether anything has changed and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem is here that see ease of use and security never go hand in hand. You know, those are orthogonal things, right? And for that exact reason, for instance, you know, like I, you know, it, it, I, 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 I tried to explain to my wife, it's like, look, um, it's not pleasant to use, but that's what's, what you got to do. But then she says, well, it's troublesome. I'm like, well, I know, hence it's secure. So, you know, kind of like, you know, like she tasks me to handle all that stuff, right? But just get to your question, right? Um, you need to educate yourself. It's It boils down to at least some rudimentary understanding of what you're doing and what are the risks involved and, 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 and building a system. And I'm not trying to say that you will want to, you know, create something on your own. See, the, the best thing about internet security is that the less creative you get about it, the better. There are best practices and they're called best because they're the best. 
and you should follow them to the dot you know and that's essentially what it boils down to you know like wrap your head around the best practices um and if you choose not to follow certain of them at least do understand the risks you're taking because there's got to be nobody else to blame but you okay. just like a give and take right pretty much what about you this this makes me think of one of my favorite quotes if it is convenient it's not secure thank god <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's the main point. And actually, uh, I, I think uh, in the end, uh, it's not only Web3, because if you think about, about that, I cringe every time somebody tries to force me to give them my phone number to recover my account. That's the point. I do not want to recover my account. I don't want to be able to recover my account. And uh, that's one of my favorite uh, Web2 services that is getting quite big now, but it's it's Proton, uh, former Proton Mail. Now it's called Proton. I could sign up without giving them my name, my phone number, as and a secondary email. So I'm in charge. I, I'm responsible. If I lose my password, I, I am done. But uh, I know that, and I will not lose my password. <laughs> right, right. And then, what would be the type of common attacks on the web three space? I know you guys have talked about some of them being like, you know, not fully having the grasp on the uh, smart contract, right? That's probably the most common one, right? Yeah. But other than that, there are plenty of so. If we if we think about Ethereum, it's it's what I know best. Uh, uh, but if you think about the evolution of uh, the EVM and the languages, uh, mainly Solidity, there are uh, there 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 have been plenty of vulnerabilities patched over time, and uh, um, it's possible uh, with simple mistakes to allow. A bad actor to take ownership of a smart contract. Mm. Um, if you are not careful, uh, I'm, I think that has been patched recently, but uh, it, it was just possible by crafting uh, function calls in a certain way to become the owner of the of the contract without any action from the actual owner. Um, there are risks in uh, so if a smart contract is, is forever is immutable. There are techniques to make that uh, to make it possible to issue updates, but that again comes with a lot more complexity and a lot more. Uh, this uh, attack surface becomes uh, much larger, so you always need to be uh, when you think uh, development in in the blockchain, you need to think uh, to make it as small as possible, as controlled as possible to put as many eyes as you can on your code so that uh, when you deploy it, you are sure that uh, that it's fairly safe. Then the only real way to tell is time. Right. I, I like how you said fairly safe. I mean, you know, essentially in the end, we're all humans and that's the weakness of technology in the end of the day. Um, to add to what Cesare was saying, um, see the, when we talk about smart contracts on I don't want to say only Ethereum, but like on EVM chains, right? With Solidity, the re-entrancy is the biggest issue. You know, your code could be good, but you don't know what else you're interacting with and, and then what's going to happen. And there's just a ton of those little gotchas that you go like, oh shit, I didn't think about that. Now the caveat is, it's just sprinkled with each other. It's immutability, right? So now we get to the point. All right, so do I want to enable smart contracts, quote unquote, updatability by first applying the proxy pattern and whatnot, right? Or do I want to practice what um, Andre Cronje preaches? Basically, you know, you do it once and you do it right. Mm. And again, um, 
there are merits to both of those approaches, right? Um, however, you know, we constantly learn as humans. I mean, I, I sure as hell learn every day, right? And um, it, the thing with immutability is like, you know, you do something to the best of your knowledge at a certain point, and then you launch it, go like, oh shit, there's also this. So what do you do of it, right? So, you know, it's, it's this kind of like insistent struggle that, you know, that we're going to have. But and, and then just, you know, to get back to the original question, like, you know, what are, see, I, 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 I spent a fair bit of time, you know, like in the NFT space, um, have worked with Engine. Um, and one of the things that I've seen over there, and that is specifically pertaining to Web3, not um, blockchain, is um, front running when it comes to first NFT marketplaces. You know, people have made themselves filthy rich by just running front running, you know, scripts, um, you know, and that's uh, not cool. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't apply to just NFT, right? Um, I don't want to only say it applies to NFTs because if you think about it this way, an NFT is just nothing other than smart contract, right? So, you know, if it applies to smart contract, it can apply to anything else, right? I mean, that can be tokens, right? That can be whatever, right? And then we talk about best practices that we can try to protect ourselves, right? As in, we are the best security mm. of anything, right? But what about talking about decentralized apps, the apps? Is there another set of rules or, you know, that we should play by? I mean, when you see what happened with centralized actors recently, you can't really say that one is, is better than, uh, than the other. Yeah. Uh, I, I was uh, doing algo trading on FTX. Uh, uh, at the moment when it happened, I didn't have almost anything, so I didn't... Uh, <laughs> Luckily, I was do like I felt it coming, I moved to cold storage uh, in time. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big risk. And now we are at the stage... So if you if you played with the first very first decentralized exchanges that appeared on Ethereum, it was it was a, a very complex exercise and uh, and also they were far from uh, optimized because the entire order book if you're familiar with trading the entire order book so all the buy and uh, sell offers were on chain uh, with with the gas cost that we have today. I was just about to say yes. every single transaction. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So uh, today, uh, with the, with the Uniswap and, and the likes, it's possible. I, I haven't tried, but it's possible to do algorithmic trading on uh, on the centralized exchanges. I think again, I would I would put it back on on the time factor. You need to give uh, time to a new entrant on the market to show that they they are secure before you invest too much into them. And what about yourself, Lucas? Do you completely agree? Anything? Um, I do actually agree with what Chesler said. You know, I mean, in the end of the day, see, what you touched on Chesler is, you know, um, the notion of trust in the end of the day. You know, yes. the, the, the new player has to, you know, accrue some reliability, you know, some street cred, right? And that basically boils down to whom you choose to trust. And it's and that sort of matter of trust in the Web three space, you know, it's a completely separate can of worms that I could just go on talking for hours and hours, right? But yeah, you know, it's, it just boils down to you know whether you're willing to trust somebody or not. And inherently, that is something that is very opposed to why I chose this blockchain to begin with, right? Like you know, like I, you don't want to trust things; you want things to be verifiable, right? right? But then you know, like as you're introducing, you know, I mean, and, and again. 
like for instance i moved most of my assets to cold wallets um whenever i need to swap them out um i use decentralized exchanges right um i hold certain number of different kinds of tokens on a couple of centralized exchanges just in order to be able to you know like flip them if if, if an opportunity materializes right but see inherently um whether you know they're whether dApps are better than you know centralized exchange like decentralized like, we're talking about dApps first like you know we say uh if a decentralized exchange is better than a centralized exchange it depends see like as Chizor said right like you know like if you mess something up on a decentralized exchange there's nobody to blame but yourself honestly you don't even need to oftentimes you don't need to blame yourself because like you know sometimes it might not be your fault but there's nothing you can do on the other side of the coin, there is centralized exchanges. And, you know, if something happens, then you can, you know, be like, hey, guys, um, you know, like I was using your service and that's what happened. Well, it will get, right? And they may or may not help you, but, you know, we've seen what was going on. So, you know, the aforementioned company, which is already, you know, that went down. And then, you know, like you got to have all the naysayers saying, oh, yeah, you know, because crypto is, you know, like all this and that. I'm like, yeah, and I look at the American banking system. Okay, like, <laughs> What do you make of that, right? And it's, it's, you know, there's, there, 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 you know, like I, I, I just don't know what to tell you. You know, like um, I just believe that you know, like you want to trust less and you want to be able to verify things. And in the end of the day, you want to trust yourself. Hence, you will want to use decentralized things, right? But you need to, again, this boils down to what I said before. But you got to understand the risk you're taking. I would add one one thing on that when you. When you think about uh, decentralization and and DApps, uh, most of the time, most of the people would interact with uh, with DApps through a web service or through an app on their phone. There is actually a very interesting uh, blog post from uh, Marlene Martin Spike, the CEO of uh, uh, Signal, and it's about more than one year ago, as roughly a year, but uh, it's still very very relevant today. Most uh, uh, decentralized uh, technology today relies on a very limited number of actors. Like the, I, I mentioned a couple of names, but Alchemy, Infura, uh, and, and uh, for everything that is op that is NFT related, the people would call uh, OpenSea, ABI. So in the end, uh, it's not as decentralized as people might want to think. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but then you ha also have like uh, multi-factor authentications as well, right? Like your SMS OTP or authenticator that is mostly used in Web 2, right? And going into Web 3, do you guys think that there may, this be, there may be a form of this kind of multi-factor authenticator just for Web 3 I mean, itself? Absolutely, yes. One should want thank here. Um, Ubiquin, right? Right. Simple as that. And I bet you got one on your keychain as well. I, I have two here that I was actually bringing at the... I'm, I'm going to bring at the bank later. <laughs> and, and another one on my, on my key ring. So, well, well, it's essentially what we're trying to say is we practice what we preach. Yeah. You know? but, but see, the, the whole thing is like, it, it just boils down to cryptographic schemes. And those devices, that's, that, that's no magic, right? I mean, in the end of the day, you know, like you can store your cryptographic keys on there and, um, and that's it. And, you know, if assuming that it's a uh, FIPS one protocol uh, layer 
uh, two compliant, okay, then you know it's tamper evident. Then you know if it's layer layer three compliant, level three compliant, okay, it's basically you know like it, it, you can't tamper with it because you gotta destroy the material on there, right? So the whole thing is that well, yeah, you got your cryptographic key material on there because that's all you need from the standpoint of blockchain. Because in the end of the day, you know, like the you know at first the you know the account based blockchains, you know, they rely, I mean, not that account, UTXOs too, you know, they rely on uh, the principles of asymmetric encryption, right? So yes, the, the, you know, so, but, but, but now the question is like, is that two-factor authentication? Well, there's just one factor, your private key, right? It, it, it is on a dedicated device, but so, you know, if you want to think about it, well, I got a separate device and then I got my computer and my phone to fill in blank, right? You could argue that those are two factors, right? But in the web three sort of um, narrative, right? Um, you know, you got your password, you got, you got your, you know, like account name, whatever you got your password, your very special phrase that is known only to you and everybody from NSA and whatnot, right? And then you got a second, and then you got a second, um, uh, you know, factor like a YubiKey, like authenticator app, you name it, right? And that's great, right? Um, and, 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 and this proves to work. I mean, probably probabilistically speaking, you know, that, uh, you know, provides far more security, right? Um, so there are efforts of bringing that to blockchain, right? Like uh, we've all heard about the big hoo-ha about the ERC 4337, right? Where basically abstracts away the account. So like, you know, that kind of like, you know, cloaks the, you know, you get, um, smart contract addresses and you get user addresses right and you know erc uh 4337 kind of like you know just clumps them up together and just provides a layer of abstraction right the great thing about that is that you know there are actually leeways for you to recover your lost keys at that point right but then again um you know it's becoming more convenient hence secure right but i thought somebody yes uh so uh, I would I would uh, uh, rewind a bit on the on the two-factor authentication. I think uh, it's important here to make a distinction between authentication and encryption. So usually, what we call two-factor authentication is just to authenticate yourself to prove that you are you. But in the end, what your provider who's checking that uh, your two FA, which is linked to your phone or to some other device, but in reality is just another static seed that is used to generate the, the 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 factors that change over time are the same so in in the web tree in the web tree world you you have things like multi-signature wallets that could eventually i mean it's it's it allows you to have multiple multiple wallets and multiple uh, so factors you could say you could put them on different as as lucas mentioned you can have them on different uh, brands of of cold storage wallets or on, on different devices so that uh, uh, would help but in here yeah yes yes that is that is uh, great and uh, basically what uh, Ledger announced a couple of days ago that they will basically split their your 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 key. Let's get to that later. But in 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 three parts and uh, and allows you to to have two. Basically, what Shamir does is it it generalizes that. But you are in control. I can decide to have uh, uh, ten different shards, and I need seven of them or or eight, whatever. It's I'm I'm in control. Basically, it's not uh, really. I I don't need to trust Ledger to know best. 
<laughs> but uh, besides that, I, I wanted them to touch base on the uh, 4337, which is uh, what, what I really liked about 4337 is that uh, it doesn't touch the consensus layer of Ethereum. And, and that's, that's, that's what made it so successful. Yeah. There was a proposal before, yeah. and, but that required a change of consensus. Yes. Yeah. So basically you don't touch the underlying security of the, of the platform, but it's all done at the MEV, at the mempool level. So it's just a way you package transactions uh, that, that reduces a lot the attack surface. And, uh, and I, I really hope it is successful because it does, it does indeed create new opportunities for uh for 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 attacks for bad actors to 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 get around things but again i think it's it's a good thing uh i agree um just to add on to that right i mean like you can't boil the ocean you know like it's one of my mentors you know like says um and and the whole thing is that the biggest struggle that web free adoption is observing is that it's you know it's completely different from what people are used to and, you know, like DJs like myself or Cesare, you know, are going to go into that because like, oh, let's play around with that, see what happens. Not a lot of people want to do that. I mean, you know, you have, um, you have a lot of people who are late adopters and they're very comfortable with Web2 and that's all they want to do. And if we want to really see Web3 adoption, we got to bridge that gap over there, right? When we do that, though, to kind of like circle back to one thing that I was talking about before is that, well, you know, we're talking about the ownership model here. That's that sort of paradigm shift. So if you want to enable web to native flows for the users, what is going to happen is, you know, like um, the custody of the keys is handed over to a party whom we need to trust, right? And again, that kind of like, you know, goes against the whole concept. But at the same time, you know, like what I firmly believe in is the enabling people to take their first steps in that, rub their heads around that, and then be like, all right, now I want to claim the keys. And from that point on, I want to assume responsibility for it, right? You just can't can't really tell people, okay, like, you know, if you lose that, you know, like that's that's gone. And they go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then like, you know, like your friend goes, like, yeah, but what, what of it now? It's like, well, it's what on the bridge now. Right. And on that note that Cesare has touched on, the can of worms that <laughs> has been the talk of the town on Reddit, on Twitter, right? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, uh, I am uh, actually trying uh, to design a doorstop with uh, the various ledgers that I have, because I have, uh, I, actually, I really like the idea of, of a secure element in the ledger, but the big part of the announcement that Ledger made with that Ledger Recover service is, is, uh, is not that, uh, Okay, they might roll back on the announcement, but the damage is done. Now I know that with a firmware update on a closed source firmware, they can get my private key. So that, that's enough. Okay, they tell me, if, if, you, if you listen uh, at uh, the, the announcement, if you read the details, first they are very vague on very important points. Yeah. They tell you, okay, the encryption happens uh, inside your wallet, but what kind of encryption? Where are the keys? Uh, then it's sent to three different actors, uh, Ledger and, uh, and two others, uh, the, the actual provider, which is Coin, uh, CoinCover, I think, yes. Uh, now, the thing is, who is sending them? Where, wh what is the pathway? It, your Ledger is not able to, yes. to, to, to communicate on, with any internet protocol. So probably the app does something uh, that 
any bad actor could replicate. So at that point, uh, uh, the fact that you can restore your your wallet on a different device means that the encryption key is not proprietary to your device. Exactly. So basically, I am exporting something which might be very well encrypted, but it can be decrypted elsewhere. So. Uh, uh, my cold wallet suddenly became a hot wallet. Yeah. I mean, what my uh, my take on it is, um, I'm disappointed. Very disappointed, you know. Um, I was very fond of my ledger. And um, see, I would I didn't get myself uh, the Nano X with Bluetooth because that's another attack vector. I didn't get myself the ledger stacks, even though I was very tempted to get it. Yeah, because it, it looks cool. right. Holy <laughs> shit, you know. I just use the brick and mortar little like gizmo that's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's great. And now they tell me, yeah, but like we got you back. It's for your own protection. Like, yeah, I'm perfectly capable of protecting myself. Thank you. <laughs> and, but see, look, the model ledger is trust yourself. I think they all need to rebrand now, you know, because <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> as Jesner said, you know, like somebody else can hypothetically you know, recover your key and elsewhere. And it's like, you know, you no longer trust yourself. You got to trust those guys. And this entire spiel that they sold is basically, trust us, we know what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, I heard them multiple times. I don't know about that. Um, so, and, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, like I went through like the entire sort of, um, uh, you know, like the, again, like I'm working on like the bits and pieces here, but like, you know, what they explained, Obviously, as Cesar said, leaving out massive things where you go like, well, that can't be done very right or very, very wrong. Um, seems that, you know, like the architecture and the whole thing is done well. So that's cool. But the problem is that now you got to trust. Okay. I don't want to. Okay. Who tells you that tomorrow Ledger will not buy CoinCover and then there will be the one actor? Because you need two of the three to recover your keys. So one company... By by just one MNA event uh, could could get in control. That's and, and it's it's closed source. So I, the first I will not mention the brand because now it's becoming a hot topic. But the first uh, uh, hardware wallet that I used, actually I went very much into. It didn't have a secure element like Ledger. So they went to great length to uh, write the code in such a way that in a firmware update, uh, uh, the your your private key would be securely wiped before the new firmware was stored on the device, so nobody could actually extract it, even if they froze the, 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 the thing and took out the memory and tried to read it very fast while the update was happening. Um, and I could check the code and it was actually, I, I knew what was going on my on my wallet. Uh, with Ledger, I, I can't, I had, to, I had to trust them and now they broke the trust. Yeah, that is something that cannot be repaired. <laughs> and, and on top of all that, you know, I mean, I. I can say that, Cesar can say that because, you know, we're both EU citizens and um, look, um, European Union is obviously, you know, like trying to, you know, like kind of like sort out the framework and we all heard about Mike and whatnot, right? But see, um, I don't know if you got a chance to take a look at the, uh, what do you call that, the stable coin pack to Euro and I counted at least two pulls in the smart contracts, like, not unlike that. Now, Ledger is um, an EU-based company, right? So... That worries me because in the end of the day, you know, the jurisdiction can say, well, that's all cool, but you know, like we need to have a glance into what you guys got over there and their hands are tight and that's it, you know, and it's all done for your protection, mind you, but like, I'm not buying into that. 
there is a, there is another quote that I, I love. It's from uh, Malcolm Turnbull, uh, former PM of Australia. At some point, uh, there were the usual talks about breaking uh, end-to-end encryption, and uh, so. Uh, the, the PM was uh, proposing to break all secure means of communications and he said uh, something like laws of mathematics are very commendable but in Australia only the laws of Australia are applicable that doesn't make any sense unless for Australians maybe today 2 plus 2 is, is 5 but uh, um, yeah, if, if you th- there is nothing that can be used by only by, by the good guys if you make something available, the bad guys will find a way to use it. Right. Yeah, I understand. And Ledger is, I think everybody will see it's like a shield, right? Mm-hmm. But now that they have come out with Ledger Recover, it's like they have some provided swords. Right. <laughs> it's like a shield <laughs> sword fight, but they're providing both equipments to everyone, right? And that's a conflicting interest that everybody have and a lot of disappointment in the community as well right and i guess it's very very honored to have both cto's on board on this podcast who resonate so well with each other i don't think i forgot any other guests with this kind of level of uh we have known each other for a while, we know each other for a while. <laughs> like and we're on the same page i mean like, like come on like you know like we're we're doing web3 okay it's it's we're doing the same things obviously we're on the same page right right is there anything else that you would like to share with the community before we closed off the podcast um i i i don't know if, like because like i i could but like i don't want to be too cynical but like yeah just um you know read before you do anything and um trust no one okay because that's ultimately why you want to use web3 if there is a trust factor involved in that you should probably reassess but in the end of the day you know i i know it's a very hot topic Uh, oftentimes it becomes a buzzword but what i would really want to implore everyone who's interested in that taking their first steps as a user perhaps you know like working in the space do educate yourself properly and verify everything because that is at the core of the blockchain technology to begin with yeah absolutely i think that's a great way to close uh, to close the podcast mm-hmm. yeah. thank, you, thank so you so much for your time today lucas Cesare. and i hope you enjoyed today's episode and see you on the next bye